You don't need a costume to be a person. You just need just need to be yourself. Yeah, so I threw that outfit out and I became who I am today. <laughs> a pizza man. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Today is a rewind back to an episode that first aired on Christmas Eve of 2016, and then aired again on the Enormacast in January of 2017. And we chose this episode to air today because 40 years ago, Miguel Ventura moved from Connecticut to Slade, Kentucky and started what was then known as the Rainbow Door. And while the namesake Rainbow Door is still there, the name changed in 1986 to Miguel's Pizza. If you're a climber and you haven't been, you probably want to go, or you've at least seen a dozen people wearing their t-shirts. I learned to climb in the Red River Gorge, and when I started, Miguel's was a tiny one-room pizza place and ice cream shop with a couple of tables and enough parking spots for four or five cars. I've known Miguel literally for as long as I've been a climber, and I'm grateful that he agreed, not without a lot of convincing, mind you, to have this conversation back in 2016. I actually first ambushed him at a dinner party at Dario's house right after interviewing Russ Clune. I put him on the spot and he said yes because he was in front of all these people and then I just pestered him until he finally relented. And I also chat with Dario in this episode whom I've known since he was a little kid getting dragged to the crags about the changes that he's seen take place there. There's also a part in here where Miguel talks about a drawing he made that has stuck with me since the day he told me the story. Listen for it. All right. Let's get into it. I think it's kind of fitting that we're sitting down here in the gear store right now, like because this is kind of a new addition, and you've done such an amazing job of growing this thing from its small beginnings into this, you know, world-known mecca that it's become. So, well, I, I mean, let's get it straight. I haven't done anything like that. I mean, I was available <laughs> for you guys. Uh, so I, the way I lo- I've always looked at it is that, you know, I was here and you guys showed up and I kind of made you, uh, made a place for you guys to hang out, yeah. but I have nothing to do with it besides providing a space. I think the guys that Martin and, uh, Porter and, uh, you know, all those guys that were, you know, had the vision of developing, yeah, the climbing, sure. you know, those are, I mean, I just provided a space and I'm, I'm. I enjoyed it. I was good. It's yeah, good. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think you're being a little too humble in that respect because, <laughs> frankly, you know, this could have just been another backwoods, yeah. middle of nowhere climbing area, but you've provided this spot for yeah. all these people to congregate and have a base, and, you know, everywhere I go climbing, there, there are Miguel's t-shirts and right. Miguel's stickers and everybody's been here and knows this place. So let's go, let's like rewind well, all the let, way let back. Me, let, yeah, yeah, let, do it. Talking about that, it was like, 
when I was hanging out at the pizza shop and uh, Daria was in diapers behind the counter, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and Martin showed up, you know, and they started hanging out. Martin Hackleworth, I yeah. don't know if you remember yeah, him. Yeah, totally. And he would show up with some of his friends with their tights and, yeah. and have ice cream. <laughs> and they would come, you know, a few times uh, after a few weekends. He uh, approached me and said, listen, we, we really like the, the spirit of this place. And we, would you want to open up, you know, we could uh, teach you how to rock climb and you could sell the gear for us. Yeah. But that's what really started that. It's like the, they saw the spirit of the place. That's what anything um, uh, is successful. It's about the spirit of the place. Totally, totally. So that's what started it. Yep. And, uh, but Martin had the, the awareness of that. Yeah, he so helped I give see how him to some credit, it. you know, because yeah. he had the spirit of saying, yeah, this place is cool. Let's, they're cool people. Let's do something here, you know. Yeah. Because I didn't even know what climbing was before then. I mean, I was totally naive of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, you're right. That's super important. And I think that spirit kind of started way back in the beginning because you were an artist early right. on like you came over you came to the u.s from portugal and when you were six is that seven, right yeah six or seven what yeah. year was that yeah that was in 1959 okay and then how early did you pick up art oh i i think it was that uh, i didn't speak any english so the teachers just gave me some crayons oh yeah and put me in the back of the <laughs> class <laughs> he doesn't know how to speak a word so we just put me back there and I started doodling and then, um, uh, you know, they would give me like uh, assignments like to decorate the wall or something. Yeah. And uh, I started out with that and just something that uh, art just gave me an escape mm -hmm. because coming from a village where you had nobody there, uh, I mean, we didn't have anything, I mean, basically. Um, so it just gave me... Um, I don't know, just like a direction. and, and Sure. Uh, and coming to the United States where I didn't know anything, um, um, living in an environment that um, was kind of uh, terrifying because here we have a village that you, you're, it's healthy looking. There's, you're out in the woods and you come to a concrete jungle. Yeah. And so uh, art was an escape from that. From yeah. There. And you were Always in Connecticut? Is that Connecticut. right? Connecticut. We, we yeah. ended up in a, in a ghetto there that was yeah. pretty intense. <laughs> Grew yeah. up with that until I was uh, 16 and was able to uh, have a vehicle to get out of there. Yeah. And, and from there, did you go to California? Is that uh, right? Not right away. I went to Rhode Island, traveled around. Okay. And you were going to go to the Rhode Island Institute of is, Art. Yeah. But decided have, you couldn't, couldn't afford, afford it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was the Rhode Island School of Design. Okay. I got accepted at that. But um, Yeah. And so, then when you moved out to California, what, what was out there? Why did you go well, there? Well, I was just doing artwork, trying yeah. to uh, be Trying a to live maker, the artist life. Living the, the bohemian artistic life. Yeah. <laughs> What's, I mean, you, you fell right back into that bohemian lifestyle here, which is pretty well, interesting. I, I, I think the climbers all have that in them. Yeah. They're, in a way, they're artists themselves. But, yeah, um, totally. And bohemian on top of that. But, um, yeah. Um, what brought you here to Kentucky? Well, Kentucky was like, um, I, had, I was in Rhode Island and I met Neville Pohl. Okay. Know, I met him and uh, we got 
we were asked to take some artwork out west and a big semi truck. Yeah. And that we were paid to do this. And sure. so we made a big trip out of it. Yeah. Went across the country up northern uh, California and came down to San Diego. But, uh, and that my life then started out there in the art world. That's where I really focused on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, art's always been part of my um, uh, escape, kind of like climbers do uh, climbing to escape some of their things or whatever. But it's, it's a focus. You focus and you let your emotions out, whatever you have, yeah. put it on paper. Yeah. Or whatever. I, I did etching, so that was my. Thing. Yeah, I've seen some. I saw one of your prints at Dario's house. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a Miguel in my house someday. Someday. So. We, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you should totally start making them again and selling them to. I to still climbers. have the plates in my crawl space of my house. They're stashed in a box down there. Yeah. Hopefully. You should do it. You would be in high demand in this yeah, community. Really? <laughs> you know, I, art to me is always. Uh, uh, so I play that role of being an artist and, uh, and loved it, you know. But like we were talking earlier, you know, art becomes like part of your ego. And you, people, you go to a party and say, so what do you do? Well, I'm an artist. Yeah, yeah. And that got to me once. And uh, internally, I, I felt uncomfortable with that. So one day, for some reason, I was doodling. And this doodle came out with this image that I said, Wow. It just inspired me. I said, I'm everything. I'm just, just not an artist. And that, that's when I gave up doing art and moved away from California and came back east. And it was basically was the drawing of this little car- cartoon character lifting up like a, a costume of an artist. And he's going in it. So he's... Oh, yeah. Good, um, can you imagine that totally. image? Yep. So he's putting on that costume of an artist. Right. And realizing that you don't need a costume to be a person. Right. You just need, just right. need to it be yourself. It was there all along. <laughs> yeah. Didn't so need to you, have the outfit. Yeah. So I threw that outfit out and I became who I am today. <laughs> a pizza man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a lot more than a pizza man. A, but I mean, know. it was inspiring to, that you could do anything. Yeah. You could be anything. And so um, that little drawing, I still have it. I kept it. And that was the most inspiring drawing I've ever had yeah. out of all the artwork I've ever done. Well, I think, you, I think you've carried that on. I mean, when you came here and bought this place, it was just a little, a little shack, basically. Yeah, it was, really. Yeah. You know, when I first started climbing here 22 years ago, I remember it being just a little shack with, you yeah, know, and almost no people here. Yeah, there was nobody here. It was, you know? But again, you, you just, uh, it's like any other piece of work, you start... And you stick with it. You know, yeah, and just like, just like your art teacher gave you crayons because you didn't right. know the language and you guys couldn't communicate, you didn't necessarily know the climber language no. back then. No, So you just had these crayons and you're like, let's, let's paint a picture. Let's build this thing and learn how to talk to these people through that. Yeah, that's you know? a good way to look at it. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's super, super cool. Let's talk about, just so you know, the people who are around get to know what the history is here. Let's let's look at once you bought this place. It was called the Jotum Down Jot Store, Down is that store. right? Yeah. yeah. From um, uh, some guy from Cincinnati had started that down here. Yeah. But yeah, we it was an abandoned building 
uh, we just cleaned it up and started selling ice cream. I yeah. mean, that was the beginning of that, because um, we didn't have any way of making money. And I said, I was driving all the way to Winchester for uh, work at a horse farm. Right. I was raising vegetables for these uh, nice people, really. Yeah. And, um, but so we were stuck out here and we had to create something. Yeah. And did it already have a pizza oven? Was that? No, there was nothing there. It was a gift shop okay. originally. And so um, we just uh, started, Susan said, so let's start with ice cream. And then um, after the ice cream went, the climbers started hanging out eating ice cream. Those, the, the team from Cincinnati, yep. all those yep. guys. All the old traddies. All the old traddies, yeah. Keith Phelps and. Tom Souders and Tom Jeff Souders, Koenig, yeah. yeah, awesome people. I yeah. mean, they were genuine, awesome people. It's hard to find people like that, but um, yeah, and uh, they they wanted something to eat, and that's how we then said, okay, well, let's just pizza's good. <laughs> yeah, and I've had a like a little background in um, dealing with pizza dough, and not so much pizza dough, but just bread making. Bread, yeah. Our, in our village, we ground all the flour for all the village, so. We, Your family did. Our family did. So my grandparents were involved, and uh, we had like a, a grits mill that we cr- that my grandfather had built. Oh, cool! So um, we ground all the flour for the whole community. And would the community come there? Come there, and then we would uh, negotiate. Like you know, you give us so much flour for grinding the rest, you know, and then we yeah. would also you know uh, bake bread, and then you could take it. My grandparents would take it to the city and sell it, and uh, they sold whatever, you know, cheese. They produced their own cheese and sold that. Wow. So I was around that as a baby, as a child. Yeah. And so, you're kind of repeating that now on a larger scale. You know, this is the community place. Yeah, this guess, is where yeah. everybody comes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. You know, I only grew up around it for seven years, but it was uh, a, an interesting, uh, it stayed with me, you know, it's, yeah. it's down deep somewhere, <laughs> probably. Yeah. And then when did you, is, for, it seems to me that for a long time it was still just that one little room. Yeah. Um, you mean for the... Like the pizza place. The pizza place, yeah. The little tiny space that we you know, and held up a pizza oven that cooked three with a piece a stick. Yep. <laughs> we stuck it out the, the window. Yeah, yep, totally. <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was crazy what we got away with back here then. With a not house, not a bathroom. Yep, yep. And there was, you know, there there weren't all these buildings that are here now, the pavilions and the shelters, and you know, if I the parking lot was really small. Yeah, yeah. And then they uh, and the love shack was back there. Yeah, the old love shack. Yeah. Yeah, Porter. uh, Yeah, all those guys. uh, You know, we we lived in it for a year and a half or so while we're building our cabin, and then all the climbers took it over. Yeah. Until they got so dangerous because they were using the <laughs> building for firewood <laughs> to keep themselves warm in there. And what I, it just got like so dangerous because there was nothing structurally holding it up. Yeah. It was kind of terrifying. Porter so was I just said, burning his own house down to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> so we, well, the Canadians were the, the ones that were doing that more because okay. all the Canadians came down after Porter yep. put up because uh, they knew Porter. Yep. So we invited them all. There were 30 of them out here at one time, you know, living in their vans. And then they started taking that thing apart. And one day I went in there and I saw just one wall just had little boards. I said, this thing's going to fall on you guys. <laughs> so I put a big piece of plywood on the door 
and kept them out, but they still crawled in through the windows. Yeah, for sure. And then that winter, I said, I'm going to, you know, I burned the, you know, we uh, had the fire department up. and. Uh, yeah, I think it was falling apart by the time that that I was here. You're showing up. Like it yeah. was on Ed, its, You know, Ed Mack its... was living upstairs too. I don't yep. know. If, um, yep. Yeah, with Porter. Ed's still around. He's still here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's uh, quite a character. Yeah, so when Porter came, it kind of started to explode shortly after. Like nothing like it is now, but no, 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 still no. Yeah. pretty big. Well, he wrote that first... Um, the first little guide. Well, no, before that, he wrote oh, the, that article, article. Rock and Ice, yep. The Jaws of the Red or something. I remember a shark. that. Yep. Yep. It's pretty cool, a shark. And um, Twinkie was like uh, uh, the big one back then. Yeah. It was like the... What is it? Twelve something. Twelve A. Yeah. That was like everybody had to come from there. It's like, yeah. Yeah. No place else in the world really has that kind of climbing. Oh you really? Know? It's pretty unique to hear. When did you start adding on? Like, well, after Porter showed up, I mean, it's like uh, within you know two years, it just started. People were showing up from Europe and. Yep. Uh, so it was. It got built up. So we started building more shelters, and yep. uh, you built the kitchen, the kitchen out, right? Yeah, yeah. Built a kit in addition to the kitchen, and um, I think one of the crazy things people don't realize is that the basement, you know, beneath it was, it was a crawl space. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, we kept our stored, trash down. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember. And Porter dug it out, right? No, it was me, Roger, and um, Kenton. Oh, Me, really? Roger Kenton, Kenton, yeah. One winter, we got down there. And it was all sand. It's the, it, we dug all that by hand. Wow! It was. We went down four feet, four feet of sand. It was amazing. We dug it all out one winter, and then poor, we asked Porter to come in and show us how to sh- protect that. You know, the structure. Make it structural, yeah. Yeah, the 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 foundation, how to protect. And he came in while he was. Going by climbing, he would stop in for an hour and advice, give us advice on it. And uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, well, I think one of the hallmarks, in my opinion, of you know a, a good artist is that they're able to kind of ride on the front of whatever waves are happening, you know, yeah. and they kind of create the you know, for lack of a better word, the the image of what this new wave looks like. You know, I think that's what artists do a lot of the times. And I think you were able to, even though you want to be humble about it and give, and, and Martin deserves credit for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so do, so does Porter. So oh, does yeah. everyone who built it. But, oh, God, yeah. but you were able to ride on the front of that wave and keep expanding for this community that was just exploding year after year after year. And you're still doing it. Every time I, every season yeah. I come back here, yeah, there's something new yep. and you've expanded to fill the needs that are about to happen. Exactly. You know, I think that's super important and it feels creative. It feels, you know, you were on the front end of the first time I ever saw pizza that had more than just pepperoni, sausage, <laughs> onions, and mushrooms was, <laughs> really? was here. Okay. Well, that, that was all inspired by climbers themselves. I, don't give me any credit. Like corn on the pizza was that was uh, a creek. <laughs> uh, that was Sam. Sam Creek said, "We got to have some corn on this pizza." Okay, sure, let's put it on there. Yeah, and I, I think, personally don't like it, but corn on the sure, pizza. <laughs> sure. But, so, 
Did you ever get into climbing yourself? I know you... A little bit with Martin and yeah. uh, Keith. They would take me out. I did like roadside, uh, you know, all those little sevens and eights, you know. Yeah. Arachnid was... I, th- I thought that was my favorite. That was fun. Yeah. But uh, I I never really took it up as uh, as, you know, didn't really inspire me that much climbing yeah. i really enjoyed the art part more side of things yeah and they gave me the same thrill uh but it's i was fun i mean i enjoyed that time of it that i did a the little bit of it and then moved on you know it's like uh, like yeah. anything else i've done with my life yeah and you're, you're, you're so connected to the community here what's what's this community give back to you if it's not climbing that you're super interested in well i i i just you know, climbers, in general, the majority of them, they're not the typical everyday, you know, uh, even though they all go to college and they want to go to college and then graduate and have a job, but the, the ones that are got into climbing, they're, they have something more, a little spark beyond that. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for some adventure in their lives. And uh, I've always felt that way about my life. So, you know, I'm not cookie cut thing you know yeah i like to explore and uh and i think climbers have that in them and that's what i think i enjoy about climbers yeah is that adventure to be able to uh, you know create something out of nothing sometimes yeah totally you know you you have to have that to survive in this world if you don't have that then you're you're doomed (laughs) yeah yeah and you know i think I think this space that you've created here, like I started climbing here when I was 19 or so. And and it seems like when I think back, like a lot of my formative moments happened down here. And the time that I spent, you know, reliving those moments and analyzing those moments, a lot of it happened sitting in your dining room or yeah. sleeping in your parking lot or or whatever. You know, so this place feels like I grew up here, you know, and I think a lot of people go through that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we provide here. It gives you an opportunity to uh, take time out and to look at your life. I mean, because I did the same thing when I was in California traveling. I, you know, I, I traveled a, a lot out there, and I had a lot of moments. I would go out to the desert by myself and camp out yeah. and look at it, look at everything with a, a different, without any influence around you, just by yourself. And that's really good to have. And this place kind of gives you that, you know, like the kids can come here, young people, and work for us and uh, take time out and save a little cash to go on a trip. And that mm-hmm. gives them a year to go and explore that like I did. I mean, I yeah. did that, you know, even though I didn't go to school after. But it's, you know, it's good to take a little break look at it and uh, go back into it because you got to go back into it. There's no way you can escape it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. No matter how you try, <laughs> yeah. you got to go back into it. Yeah. You gotta for be sure. Part of it. Otherwise you won't be fulfilled if you're not part of it. Yeah. And you get to see those kids come back year after year. Like a lot of them stay here for several years, yeah. you know, and work their summers, even though summer might be the worst season to climb here. They're like, this place is home. That's this is where I go for the summer. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Every year there's uh, 
more and more. And yeah, this is their little home for a short time, not yeah. permanently. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably a good thing for your sanity. Yeah, yeah, not that, that you're not raising thousands of teenagers. No, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you know what? You've done a great job with the kids you do have. You yeah, know? Dario's amazing. Sarah's amazing. I don't know Mark nearly as well, but he seems like a cool kid every time I'm around him. You know, in my mind, Mark's still five. Yeah. So it's hard to see him now and be like, oh my God, I'm, how old am I? Yeah, he just became 21. Yeah, and you're a grandpa. Yeah. You got, you got three some children, cool grandkids. Yeah. It's yeah, awesome. how's that? It's good. I mean, it, um, I enjoy their space, you know, their time with them. And, um, and I think the reason that is what's inspiring me to do art again. You know, you could, uh, you could uh, leave and, you know, you, money and stuff, and they could burn that up in no time. But if you leave them some artwork, that's why I want to get back into it. Yeah. To leave them some kind of art they can put up in the wall and they can remember you. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. you're gone, whereas anything else that's just gone. Yeah. Well, you've got this legacy too, you yeah. know, that you've really, really fostered and built down here. And I, I remember reading in an article years ago that you said, that you were talking about how your kids were all into rock climbing and you said, my son's a little too much into it. I wish he would run the business more. You know, how's, how's he doing now? He's doing really good. Yeah. He's really, <laughs> he's, he's, he's back here listening. There. So yeah, there is, there is, he's, he stepped up to the plate. He's, he knows what he's doing. He know, he's very creative like me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it just takes time, you know, a little bit of, um, I think it also my wife needs to give him more freedom to do it more. Yeah. <laughs> poor Susie. Yeah. <laughs> She's not totally comfortable yet. She's not comfortable letting go of the letting reins. Go. Yeah, the reins. That's uh, tough to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's hard. How are you handling it? Awesome. You're just ready, ready to hand them over. Yeah. You're like, Dario, take this thing. I don't yeah. want it. I think so. I think so. I'm ready. Well, I think you're in a good spot. You know, you get to see all these kids you've essentially raised. You know, they've, they've all grown up under your roofs <laughs> and you know and now you've got grandkids you need to enjoy and yeah the i think that's things a that, good uh, idea to hand it off yeah it's, it's yeah it's at a point that it's grown enough and it's kind of maintaining itself pretty well yeah so it's really good and I, you know the the whole thing too is that there dario's always been and mark uh we raised them in a with a spirit of um you know, that we're all, you know, we have like some merit, you know, and uh, all people have merit and to yeah. treat everybody with that, you know, with a certain, um, uh, what's the word, uh, respect or something, you know, that yeah. we all need to respect one another and stuff. And that's the way, you know, it should be. I've raised them that way, and I think they do that. Yeah, I know? think they do as well. Yeah, and you know, it's it's been pretty cool to watch Dario. So when I first started climbing here, he was he was pretty young. Yeah, I and it's it's really fun to watch him become such a part of this community and a pillar in this community. Really, I mean, everybody knows who he is. He's a stand-up guy in every situation, and everybody respects him. You know, oh, cool. I'm I don't think yeah, I'll like ever that. hear a bad word about. 
Dario, you know, because <laughs> I think he's just a super good guy, and everybody realizes that. And uh, that's you know that's in no small part because of you, you know. That's right. What There's, you've uh, done here and built building this community was huge for him as a kid. Yeah, yeah. You have to. But one thing I've learned about all that too, there, you know, in life there are two types of people: there are givers and there are takers, and you have to know who you want to hang out with too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no <laughs> you, doubt. You really, that's so important because uh, yeah. you keep run yourself down. So it's it's got to be a balance. Yeah. And I'm trying to teach that into them. Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's uh, really great. That's the, that's a one thing that has to be learned. Yeah. Good. Well, <laughs> <this> before life. <laughs> before we wrap this up, do you what's your like craziest standout Miguel's story? What story. what do you remember happening around here that God. was the craziest thing you remember? I don't Oh, I, there's there've been a, probably a lot, but other uh, than the Spencer Victory fireballs, you know, <laughs> but. Well, I think I think one one uh what was it for Thanksgiving or was it uh, maybe it was Halloween, our first Halloween, I think. I don't know if you heard this story. There was uh, two drag queens showed up. No. <laughs> dressed in really hot clothes and yeah. I don't really thought they were women. <laughs> and uh, they were underneath, you remember the old basketball court? Yeah. They were under there and uh, they... Uh, uh, they were like they wanted a party or something. So somebody told me, about, "There's two ladies here. They want a party." And I said, well, <laughs> "What kind of party they're into?" So I go over it and and I said, "What's going on here? You know, what kind of party you're looking for?" And they said, "Oh, we just want a party." And it says, "We know Miguel really well, and uh, he said we can hang out here and party and stuff." And I said, "Oh, that's cool. You know Miguel." <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of just let it go, you know, and I just said, well, this place here, these climbers, you know, they're, they're not much into partying right now. They, they, you know, they climb all day, they're tired, they're burnt out. Yeah. And they just go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, and they just moved on. It was really funny. That was an interesting That's day. hilarious. Well, you know, there are rumors that you don't actually exist. Oh really? Because, that's good. Because you're not around during the day. That's I know. Good. Well, let's let's do it. Keep it up. I've heard way. it. I've heard the rumors that Miguel's isn't actually a real person. That, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that's true. I made that <laughs> drawing up. With the, I don't have any hair any anymore. Any blonde hair anymore. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I, I I appreciate you sitting down with me a ton cool. and. Congrats on another successful Well, I've, I've always here. enjoyed you, Chris. Thank you for yeah. well, I'll be back. this. I've always enjoyed hanging out with you, and uh, you've always been a motivation to me, especially with your artwork, too. So. Oh, thanks, <laughs> man. All right, stay tuned, because we'll be coming right back with Dario talking about his experiences uh, growing up at Miguel's. All right, break. If you're listening to this episode while planning a trip to the Red, then we have got you covered with our Red River Trip Prep training plan. I climbed my first everything up to 514 in the Red, as did Drew Mack, so I enlisted his help in figuring out how best to help folks prepare for the pump. These plans are delivered through our mobile app with videos for each exercise, many of which have been developed specifically for the demands of the Red. 
You'll get weekly progressions, a flexible schedule that can fit nearly any lifestyle, and a resource library with tips for making the most of your trip to the area, including several recommended route lists from both Drew and I. And these are seven-week programs, so consider getting started about eight weeks out from your trip. Go to powercompanyclimbing.com slash trip dash prep to learn more or to sign up, or you can find the link right there in your show notes. Man, so so I just want to get your perspective. Like, as, you know, when I first started climbing here, what, I was, that was 22 years ago. How old are you now? I'm about to be 33. So you were like an 11-year-old yeah. at the time. I had a sick bowl cut. <laughs> you did have a sick bowl cut. That's awesome. What was this place like for you as an 11-year-old or as a, you know, even younger? Because Porter and Snide and all those guys were around before before I got here uh I guess it was like I was also I was homeschooled so I was here a lot and uh so I spent a lot of time just hanging around them on rest days for them uh so I guess for me it was just like having a playground of extremely old friends (laughs) (laughs) extremely old and nutty friends yeah and crazy uh which I think in turn made me feel pretty comfortable around most people because they then you know they're an odd crew you know yeah i think you know if you're homeschooled and you know especially in a community like this where it's backwoods kentucky basically <laughs> that that could lead to not being very social not understanding how to move through a community mm-hmm. but but those guys kind of took you under their wings if i remember right oh like, yeah when i first started coming down here you were like the cool popular kid <laughs> everybody was psyched when you were around you yeah know? so having all those friends from all these different places all the time you know i think you've i just told your dad i think you've become this really important part of the the worldwide climbing community really everybody knows you and everybody respects you and i think that's you know and yeah partially due to that that upbringing here yeah i mean i guess i yeah i don't, I don't know <laughs> i just I feel very fortunate uh, because like you said, like even when I went to regular school and like kind of got out of my climbing bubble, yeah. uh, then I got to feel the side of like, uh, no one knows you. <laughs> How, right, I was right. not the cool kid. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I feel fortunate because I think that uh, I was very cultured for living in a very uncultured area. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, I guess that's contributed to, you know, what my dad started in this whole thing, but it's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> lucky is the best way to put it, I guess. Yeah. And I've watched you gradually kind of start to take the reins of the business yeah. and, you know, continue this thing that your dad's been doing. Yeah. And, and I admire that he's, and I have admired this for years, that he and you and everybody here kind of grows it with the community. Like yeah. you guys seem like you're right on the front edge of knowing what the community needs yeah. and, and then providing that before we even know we need it. Right. And I think it's cool that you're taking that over and, you know, and continuing to grow it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have one, if I think it's easier for us maybe and I don't know if we noticed it on purpose because we're just so in in deep in like the climbing community 
and dealing with the people every day that like the needs are not necessarily like, you know, I always talk to people and they're like, so how did you plan this out? Or how did you, you know, how did this come about? And I don't think many of our plans come about that way. It's more like it becomes a necessity. And then we're like, well, this is what needs to be done next, which is kind of like a never ending spiral tunnel because there's always something next. Yeah, sure. But, and this place just keeps exploding, exploding. Yeah. So, but I mean, now it's come to a point where it's like, um, you know, now we're just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, this place is crazy. But who knows? I mean, I think my dad's always assumes sometimes that that maybe it's the need is not there, but we'll still provide it. But then every time we assume that, the need is filled. So it's kind of like we're always kind of like surprised, and people are like, "Why are you surprised?" <laughs> be like, I don't know. Maybe we're too humble, or I don't know what the deal is. I but. think you are. I think both you and your dad are like humble almost to a fault. Like, yeah. Sometimes I think we should. Like be you more. both want to give credit elsewhere <laughs> and not take credit and. Man, I think what you guys do here is a super special, super important thing. I mean, Miguel's, and I know you've heard this term that it's been called the Camp Four of the East. Right. And I've spent a little bit of time in Camp Four, and Camp Four at, sucks. At this point, I would argue that <laughs> Camp Four isn't even quite the Miguel's of the West. <laughs> yeah. Like Camp Four, this I, place is way cooler. I know. I grew up always hearing about Camp Four from climbers and being like, "Yeah, this place is." And then when I finally went to Camp Four, and I was like sneaking in Russ Clune to sleep in a tent with me <laughs> so he wouldn't get kicked out. I was like, this is not, Miguel's is not the camp for the cell. Yeah, it's just, you know, the history is out there and yeah. those guys, you know, romanticized that history and wrote about it. Yeah. And so it's become this larger than life thing. But Miguel's really is a, a life size large thing like it's it's real it's here it doesn't need the romanticizing because it's true yeah like yeah i mean i think you know i just think maybe why it's come to that i i mean i know my dad doesn't like to take credit for it, but i think that they believed in i guess you could call it the outdoor industry maybe not just the outdoor industry in general way before it actually really existed yeah and by believing it, like it just gives you a step up because you're like you're the person that's trying. You know, you're you just have a step up on everyone. Not because you planned it or did some diagram like most right, business people right. would do. Yeah, you just like are there and you believe and you stick it out long enough that eventually it pays off. Yeah, that's huge. And I, you know, people come to us a lot and they're like, so you know, what's the secret? And it's like, honestly, you just have to like lose money for like 20 years <laughs> and live really poor. And then eventually it'll, then you eventually it pays off. Yeah. Just keep believing in yourself even when it's tough. Yeah. You know, even when they're like 12 dirty climbers are your only customers. Yeah, exactly. And the wait is like two hours for a pizza and you're just like, but no one cared, you know, it was just, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I know people don't realize like when we were kids, how poor we really were, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, was there a point as like a young adult when you were like, there's no way I'm taking this business over? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I went to, when I left to go to college, I had no desire to do yeah. it. Uh, I want, I wanted to go to school and actually I wanted to go into business, but I wanted to like, I don't know. I, I think at that time I didn't even think of 
Miguel's as a business. Right. You know, because it, it had not really blossomed into what it is now. So, and then I went to business school and then I started learning what they were teaching in business school. And it was like this cutthroat, like how to put your neighbor out of business attitude. And I was yeah. like, and I grew up in an area where we were literally the only business. And that, we never had to deal with that. You know, it was just, mm. just like everyone was just kind of easygoing. And, and I was really turned off by it. And then it almost drew me back to this business because I was like, that's the side of the business I like, like this family kind of like oriented, like low cutthroat attitude, you know, it's just like, yeah, it turned me off. <laughs> yeah. And you've now, you know, you've got Cedar, your daughter, you're married and Emily's amazing. And, you know, your family is here. Like yeah. you guys, yep. you moved down here to the same area yep. and are continuing this business. And, you know, so you must, you must have turned that corner and feel really good about this place now. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely, I wouldn't go anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and it's awesome. My my wife, she loves climbing and and it just, it's perfect for us. And Yeah, there was a while there where I wondered if you would continue climbing. Yeah. Like I, I was curious about how, how you saw it being pretty much the only true local down here. Yeah. You know, and no other locals here climb. Right. You know, I thought, oh, I wonder if Dario will keep climbing. But it seems like it's just gotten stronger over the years. Like, Yeah, you know, I think I think that I've just, I've, uh, I think it, when, like any kid, if you grow up in something, with something, and, you know, I grew up around everyone being like, yeah, you need to be a rock climber. You need to, like, go crush. Like, you kind of get overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, now that I've, I'm back here and I'm climbing a lot again. Now it's, it's, it really is like a an enjoyment for me and a freedom that I look forward to every day. And I mean, I don't know if I'd want to live in Slate, Kentucky if I wasn't a rock climber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I, I can see that at the crag. Like, yeah. You're definitely enjoying it. Yeah. Emily's enjoying it. And Cedar's just the coolest kid to have around She's at awesome. the crag. Yeah. You know? She comes up with the best names for people, which <laughs> I thought I was good at. But she's way better. So, but yeah. yeah, man, I'm I'm super stoked that you're taking this over and continuing this thing, and that you're such an important part of this community. Because I've you know I've decided that my life is needs to be lived inside this community, and yeah. you know I'm I'm stoked to be able to be a part of it with you. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, it's a. Uh hopefully continues that's that's my hope i hope this place just stays good like it is right now for till i die at least (laughs) yeah i don't i don't think it's gonna go any other way man so you guys have done something special here so thanks for taking a few minutes i know cedar's up with grandma and grandpa now so i got some freedom (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll let you have that all right thanks chris yeah thanks man like we said They're constantly adapting and evolving over there. But it warms my cold little heart that some things may never change. Miguel will still be there making the dough in the mornings. There'll be Ventura kids running around. And it has and will always remain an important icon in the climbing world. Dario is now running a different family restaurant, uh, Red Point Barbecue, just down the road. Mark is now doing a lot of the day-to-day at Miguel's. Basically, if you're going to the Red, they are inescapable. Exactly 
as it should be. To everybody over there, congrats on 40 years. I recognize exactly how lucky I was to be there in the 90s and 2000s to see it grow the way that it did. And I really hope to see you all again soon. You all can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com where we have thousands of articles, training plans, courses, and products built specifically to help climbers just like you learn grow and excel